Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell it like it is, poker playing guitarist, the dude himself, the dude Sonny D. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this episode of the Seems Legit Podcast. Uh, if you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the dude Sonny D. All right, so I guess let's get uh, right into what kind of prompted this episode today. Uh, a little bit of UFC. Um, Pablo, uh, Paulo Costa appears to be out for the next eight months, uh, leaving Israel Adesanya opponentless. Uh, I guess there was a release today by Dana White saying that they are currently working on something else uh, for Israel. Uh, this is really interesting considering it seemed like, and I remember talking about this a few episodes, yeah, so uh, if you go back to episode probably 115, maybe even on 118, talked about this a little bit, but um, the idea there of Israel Adesanya and what's kind of, what's next for Israel, what um, challenges kind of await him, what are his next fights, and I've kind of said his next two fights are relatively easily mapped out for him. Um, the first of which being none other than uh, Paulo Costa. And then I said there will probably be the uh, long-awaited uh, kind of grudge rivalry match fight with none other than Johnny Bones Jones. Now, interestingly enough, with Paulo Costa, and a lot of people have looked at this as, oh, well, Adesanya with his striking ability and his striking technique is going to kill Paulo Costa. It's not even going to be close. Well, and I shouldn't say kill, I mean crush. He's going to defeat um, Paula Costa. Yes and no. Uh, and I've talked about this when watching uh, both Costa and uh, Adesanya fight. They, their striking games are very different games. Paulo Costa is your power striker type fighter. He ha- He's big, he's strong. He might be the single biggest middleweight I've ever seen. He might even be the biggest light heavyweight. I've ever seen. That guy is big. So when you think about a guy like Paula Costa and what he might bring to the table, it's a power game. It's a big, crushing, crippling, body-rattling shots that he's going to be firing at Israel Adesanya's way. Adesanya might very well be the most technical striker we have ever, and I mean ever seen, in the UFC. This guy is, and they say he's, you know, they always oh, John Jones 2.0. He's he's Anderson Silva 2.0. No, he's just Israel Adesanya version 1.0. Israel Adesanya is just the next step. And Chael Sonnen talked about this on uh, one of his YouTube videos about evolution, about how over time it is science, it is nature. We should be getting better with time. You know, participants today should be better fighters than the fighters of yesterday. Um, You know, it's always nice to say, oh, well, so-and-so in their prime. So-and-so in their prime probably just didn't even have the skill set that some of these guys have. So, um, looking at that, Israel Adesanya is, again, one of those all-time greats in what he possesses. And not only that, has come in and filled a void seemingly left wide open by none other than the departures of Conor McGregor, GSB, and kind of that old guard of megastar in the UFC. Adesanya's come in and very well might be the big show on the block. And quite frankly, is maybe the the big money fight right now. Uh, John Jones 
is in an interesting case where John Jones doesn't really need someone else per se to sell fights. Um, I think he's at a point now where he's kind of starting to sell based on what he's done, the aura of John Jones. You know, which John Jones are we going to see? Are we going to see the John Jones that's continuing to take people's uh, opponents seriously, that is continuing uh, to evolve, that is beating kind of three generation of fighter uh, in terms of contenders, at least? Are we going to see that John Jones? Are we going to see the John Jones that, you know, fought Alexander Gustafson the first time? The John Jones that was getting into trouble outside the octagon? You just don't know, right? So there's that mystique to John Jones. And I mean, he is arguably the most dominant fighter we've ever seen in the UFC and might ever see in the UFC. Uh, so having Israel Adesanya now coming in is great. He's the big money fight. He won, uh, he, you know, he um, amalgamated the belts. He unified them. Uh, the undisputed and the uh, interim championship. So you have this undisputed midway champion with his number one contender seemingly right there in the wings, waiting in the wings. The interesting thing about that, though, is Paulo Costa didn't necessarily dominate his so-called number one contenders fight. As a matter of fact, in my opinion, there might even be an argument to be made that he didn't win it at all. That very much uh, the case was Paulo Costa didn't win that fight. I, as a matter of fact, had Yoel Romero winning that fight. I thought Yoel had taken it to Costa. I thought he had done enough. I thought he had secured the victory and was the aggressor. And I thought, yeah, it's going to be a close decision. But I think Romero's gotten the job done. I was wrong. I was wrong as fuck. Uh, they gave the decision uh, to Paulo Costa, which I did feel was a little controversial. I didn't see too many ways in which Costa had won that fight. Um, and again, it was it was an interesting fight because, again, Costa had moments where, I mean, he was firing those big shots. But Yoel Romero's a knockout guy himself and a huge middleweight himself, able to take those shots and fire back. So, again, it was an interesting power hitter matchup. I thought uh, Romero had done enough, but nonetheless Costa. So now Costa's out. And I felt Costa did pose some challenges to Adesanya. He's big. He's strong. He's durable. He took a beating uh, from Yoel Romero. He took some of Romero's best shots and just kept moving forward. There's something to be said for that. Or at least I think there ha there should be. So it's not as if he's a slouch. You know, it's not as if, okay, well, you know, he just has, he's wondering, no, he's tough. He's got some skill. He's got knockout power of his own. Again, uh, could pose that challenge to Adesanya. If Adesanya is not able to put together some winning combinations, you know, put, uh, make uh, Costa uncomfortable and take him out on the feet. Yeah, there could be some issues. So it wasn't as easy a cut and dry victory necessarily. Now, with that being said, if I had to pick a winner there, I would pick Adesanya. I do think, in the long run, his counter-striking, his movement, all of that put together, you have a pretty winning combination of um, skill set and advantages to help him retain his belt. So therefore, yes, I think uh, Adesanya would win. But again, it's an interesting matchup. And... I mean, I have a podcast here, so naturally, I am going to try and uh, make it more interesting. But no, nonetheless, I do think uh, Costa, yes, posed some very interesting challenges to one Israel Adesanya. 
However, it would have been Israel Adesanya's first title um, defense. And I think it would have been a successful one. I don't see too many roads in which Costa would have been left uh, with too much to worry about. I think at the end of the day, he would have taken the fight relatively, uh, well, not easily, but I think he would have been able to survive the challenges presented by um, Pablo Costa, gotten the job done, setting up what I felt we were going to be seeing by next summer. And that's Israel Adesanya versus none other than John Jones. Okay, so if that's what we were going to see, have we actually just sped this up by one fight? And that's kind of what I'm thinking here, is, they, is with Dana White saying, oh, we're working on some interest, some other options for Adesanya, do you just capitalize now on the fact that, hey, we've got these two superstars, both of which are healthy, both of which want to fight each other, and is a huge marquee matchup right now. It's relevant now. There's interest in it right now. People want to see it right now. You know, so when you think about it from that perspective, yeah, you could very much have a, or very easily have a situation where, I mean, that December 14th card is pretty stacked, but maybe Super Bowl weekend, Adesanya versus uh, John Jones. The UFC's had some issues in the past, I mean, under the previous one and whatnot, and a different model and a different time, a different era of getting stars versus stars. It was something that was very difficult to do for a long, long, long time in the UFC and actually hadn't gotten done. There was a lot of those marquee fights that people thought, hey, we would love to see GSP versus Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva versus John Jones. Um, for the longest time, the closest thing we had to a, a division versus division super fight would have been, say, a BJ Penn versus George St. Pierre and the two fights that they had. And the only reason why I say that one really stems from the fact that BJ Penn was a career, truly lightweight fighter. Uh, and sadly, with what's happened lately and, you know, kind of how he's met, departed from the UFC and departed from the sport... Um, and unfor as unfortunate as it is, his legacy has been left a little tarnished. This could have been the guy who could have easily said in his prime and, and respective primes of lightweight champions was the best lightweight champion of all time. I still choose to remember BJ Penn in that way. I still remember getting excited for those BJ Penn fights. I still remember how dominant he was for a period of time there. And uh, it's sad when you see things fall apart for fighters. Uh, really, it is. But it happens. But that was as close as we had gotten in a long time for a true kind of division versus division uh, super fight. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the second time they fought, BJ Penn was the lightweight champion, moving up to challenge uh, GSB, who was the welterweight champion. Now we live in an era where you're seeing more of these quote-unquote money fights. You're seeing these divisional fights. And as a matter of fact, no greater evidence than the baddest motherfucker on the planet, the BMF um, belt on the line this weekend uh, between Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz at welterweight. So, again, and it's interesting because Chael Sonnen did a uh, great video on this uh, on YouTube talking about this, how it's a belt that's never going to be defended, and that's why there might be some jealousy and all of these things surrounding it. Maybe it is a title that gets defended. Right? Maybe you do have a kind of somehow find a way to jump between divisions. I don't know. But you're having more of these 
division, you know, people moving across divisions to get the big fights. Anthony Pettis jumping around a couple of divisions. Um, I think he had fought all the way down at featherweight at one point. Uh, he was a former lightweight champion and has for, uh, fought all the way up at welterweight against Nate Diaz in his last fight. And you're just seeing these things happen. You know, a lot of talk of getting maybe Khabib up to 170. Who knows? Um, but and, and I appreciate the fact that for someone like um, Khabib, he's basically said, I am the lightweight champion. It's my job to defend the lightweight champion. And that's that. Period. That's all I am concerned with right now is that lightweight title. And um, that's just the way it's going to be. Nothing wrong with that. Then you throw in this wrench now of Conor McGregor kind of coming out this past week and saying, all right, Conor's coming back. I'm ready to come back. And I don't even know what to make about that. Is Conor truly ready to come back? I mean, from what I understand, the whiskey business is still doing phenomenally well. And if I may say so, it's actually a pretty darn good Irish whiskey. Um, actually, my buddy Nick says it's probably his favorite whiskey of all of the whiskeys out there. And Nick... Uh, and I have, um, we've actually shared, shared a lot of whiskeys over the years. We've um, had a lot of varieties, whether it be Irish whiskeys, bourbons, American whiskeys, um, Canadian rye whiskeys, uh, as I said, Scotch bourbon, all of that. And I mean, to settle on that one as your favorite is pretty telling. Uh, he does have, you know, a fairly sophisticated uh, whiskey palette, probably just as sophisticated as mine, actually, if not more so. And for him to say that, I mean, that that's a big coup to Conor McGregor and his uh, proper 12 whiskey. I've yet to meet someone who's had proper 12 and not enjoyed it. Whether they want to give Connor the credit or not, whatever might be there, it is um, relevant that it's a good whiskey. So his whiskey business should be doing fine. Does he need to come back and fight? Is Connor McGregor maybe struggling a little bit with the fact that he isn't the show anymore? I was worried about the UFC being able to move on. I was worried about combat as a whole being able to move on post Conor McGregor, especially the way he lost to Khabib. But they have. Which kind of now, if you're Conor McGregor, is like, whoa, wait a second here. Maybe I'm not bigger than the sport. You know, maybe the sport is just that big and sports as a whole are that big and it can move on without me. There's been stars before and there'll be stars after. Maybe never as big, but there'll still be stars. But now without Asanya coming out saying, hey, and showing I'm the new guy in town. I'm the big star. Rightfully so. So anyway, you have Conor McGregor coming back saying, all right, I want the winner of the baddest motherfucker belt. And I want um, the winner of Tony Ferguson versus Khabib. I think he's got to have at least one fight before he starts making those demands. Uh, his last fight win, if we remember correctly, was against Eddie Alvarez. That was years ago. It seems just like yesterday, but it was years, plural years ago, that he won a fight. It was years ago since he fought Floyd Mayweather Jr., and it is, what, over a year now, getting on to a year since he fought Khabib and essentially got his ass whooped. He looked good in some moments, but he got his ass whooped. Plain and simple as that. 
And when you look at it from these perspectives, what do you do if you're Connor the fighter? I don't think Connor the fighter wants to be remembered that way. So what does Connor the fighter do? Connor the fighter comes back and says, fuck this. That is not how I'm going to go down in history. I'm going to come back. Connor McGregor is in a very unique position right now where he is still a star, still an attraction. And that first fight back, it fucking sells. Boy, does it sell. Everybody's going to want to know is Connor back. And I think I had done a lost episode once. And, and by lost episode, I mean an episode I recorded and hadn't um, published. And in it, I talked about that the UFC and even Conor McGregor himself have to allow Conor to be loved again. For Conor to be successful again, we have to let everybody love him again. And when I think about that, this could be that chance. Conor comes back, a big money fight, a marquee fight. There's been talk it could be Anthony Pettis. Talk it could be Donald Cowboy Cerrone. Who knows? But give him one of those two. Let him come back and fight. Have a big name fight, a big money fight. And then boom. You know, now all of a sudden you have Conor back in that conversation. Hey, I'm back. And if he loses, maybe it's time that, yes, he can bow his head down and say, you know what, it was fun while it fucking lasted and I changed the game. And I've got nothing to be ashamed of in that aspect. I'm moving on with my life. But I think there's still a lot of questions left. Brock Lesnar was another interesting case like this. Coming back um, and shocking everybody and fighting at UFC 200. Again, someone that arguably poses his biggest challenge. A great striker, a strong striker. Someone with bona fide one-punch knock-you-the-fuck-out power. Fought him and beat him. Handedly. Now there was talk about some failed tests afterwards. But nonetheless, Brock came back and won. And and now all of a sudden that itch was gone. And now he's like, ah, I don't need to fight. And has apparently officially retired from mixed martial arts. And now since, subsequently, Cain Velasquez has jumped over to the WWE. And it looks like they're kind of promoting it like Cain will beat him over there. I don't know how I feel about that. But nonetheless, appears to be the case. Brock had that itch kind of answered for him. Connor's still looking to have that answered, I think. And we will know with his next fight where he stands and what that's going to shape up. So for Israel Adesanya, you've got two fights left. Let's bring it back to Izzy here. So Israel Adesanya's got two big fights, I think, possibly as his next announcement. Do you jump straight to the John Jones fight? As I, we were talking about earlier, it could be the best option. It could be one of those cases where, yes... You go with John Jones, you capitalize on the fact that they're both ready, both able to fight, their star power is high. The UFC was just bought for $4 billion a couple of years ago. Those new owners are still looking to recoup some money and drive that thing as big as possible. And not only that, you always run the risk as you keep trying to hold on to potential fights that those fights could eventually lose their allure, they could lose their value, things change. It's like any aspect of business, any aspect of opportunity. So therefore, and it's so different than when I play poker. 
or anybody that plays poker, they'll tell you, you know, sometimes you look back and you're like, shit, I should have done this. And hindsight being 2020, you try to put yourself in positions where you don't have to rely on hindsight, where you, you truly are making your best moves at the time. I were the U- if I were the UFC, I would have to strongly consider it. I think there's a golden opportunity there in early 2020. Have um, John Jones versus Israel Adesanya. Or you already stack up that UFC uh, card on December in December. Add the John Jones, Israel Adesanya thing. And then everything kind of resets. It's kind of like WrestleMania season. Right? Everything builds towards the next WrestleMania. The Raw right after WrestleMania. Why not do that with the UFC this year? And maybe that could be the new model we see. I don't know. It'll be interesting either way. If you if they do go with the Yoel Romero route, again, I'm not opposed to that. Yoel, in my opinion, beat Paulo Costa, poses some very interesting challenges for Israel Adesanya, including the wrestling take da- and takedowns. That's something that we can't forget either. Yoel Romero, Olympic silver medalist, I believe. This is a guy with bona fide wrestling credentials, a freak athlete will be the stronger, bigger fighter in that octagon. Again, now you run the risk. What if Romero wins? There's no real interest in Romero versus John Jones. Do you have Romero Costa then? Does I mean, Adesanya at that point is in an ultimate lose situation. He wins. Of course, his stock keeps going up. I think though right now, those are the two big fights for Israel Adesanya with Paulo Costa out. Either way, I think we have a decision within the upcoming week. I think within the next week, we will know Israel Adesanya's kind of immediate fighting future. Look for it to be one of those two fights. I'm going to go out now and say, I truly believe it's going to be John Jones. John Jones doesn't seem to have an opponent right now. Daniel Cormier is going to fight Stipe Miocic in a, in a trilogy fight. Cormier is not coming down to the light heavyweight to fight John Jones again, especially after having just gotten not been knocked out by John Jones. It's just not happening in their second fight, which I believe he got stripped of the belt from. But nonetheless, he got beaten twice by John Jones, just got knocked out by Stipe Miocic, He's not coming back down to fight John Jones again years later, years older. Not happening. So John Jones doesn't really have an interesting matchup right now. I had predicted that maybe he might fight Cain Velasquez. With Cain Velasquez being gone, I see that one being out the door as well. You're going to see a situation here where I think John Jones, Israel Adesanya, quite possibly the December card, but look for that one to be announced for for most likely the Super Bowl card or somewhere between January and February for the UFC next year. Anyway, I'll leave it there for today. I thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Seems Legit podcast. If you aren't already doing so, please follow me on both Twitter and Instagram at the Dude Take care and bye bye for now.